I, I do a podcast. I'm not, I'm not interested in your podcast. Folks, these are, these are wolves. Truth be told, I, I oftentimes lay awake at night trying to figure out how I can get rid of wolves in the church. We are unabashedly, unashamedly Clarkian. And so the next few statements that I'm going to make, I'm probably going to step on all of the Vantillian toes at the same time. And this is what we do at Simple Riff around the radio, you know. We are polemical and polarizing Jesus style. I would first say that to characterize what we do as fashion is itself fashion. It's not hate, it's history, it's not fashion, it's the Bible. Jesus said, Woe to you when men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way, as opposed to blessed are you when you have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. It is on. We're taking the gloves off. It's time to battle. All right. Yeah, let's 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 get this show going. Uh, my name is Tim, and this is Semper Reformanda Radio. Uh, so today I have with me Joseph Rios, our, our one of our co-hosts, and uh, Carlos Montijo, our other co-hosts. And today is going to be sort of a catch-all episode. This is a last-minute episode. Uh, we have a lot of things that we want to address. And it's going to be interesting when this episode gets released. But we are uh, going to – well, first of all, let me let me just uh, give it over to Carlos because uh, he's got some public service announcements. And then after that, we will hear a – word from our sponsors. So, Carlos, take it away. Yeah, so um, the, the theme of the show is going to be apologetics in general, but, uh, you know, we've got so much going on here at Semperer from Under Radio. We, we, we were talking about the Lordship controversy, the New Covenant Theology stuff, the, the you know, like, we, we've got so much going on with the Clark, Gordon Clark stuff, scripturalism. I mean, we have several streams of, 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 of themes that we want to pursue, apologetics and things like that. So we're we're trying to get everything, you know, tie everything together. So that being said, we haven't had time to address some things that have been kind of piling up. So we're going to try to make that pile go away. And uh, we've had a lot of public service announcements that we wanted to to make. And one of those is that uh, Andrew uh, Rappaport was featured on the Theology Gals uh, not too long ago doing an episode on dispensationalism. And in that episode, he made mention of the fact, or he claimed, rather, that covenant theology originated with Thomas Aquinas. And that's actually, that's, that's actually quite wrong and misleading on, on two accounts, at least. So the first problem is that he was a sort of equating the, tr- the threefold division of the law with covenant theology itself. And that, that w- that's like very misleading. It's, that's not even, that's not even half of w- what covenant theology is. And, the threefold division of the law, for one thing, is not even exclusive to covenant theology because obviously the Catholic Church also holds to it. There's other people, other Christians in the past who have held to it. Uh, Justin Martyr had a similar view, uh, tri- a trifold division of the law as well. Um, and uh, several Christians have, and I'm pretty sure other denominations have a similar view as well. They probably, you know, like Methodist or Baptist, I'm not exactly sure, but 
Um, I, I think it's a fairly common thing. And that being said, however, he, he so he, he claimed that covenant theology was uh, started with Aquinas. And, and yet um, by that, I guess he meant really he meant the threefold division of the law. So the, the, the Catholic Church does not at all hold to covenant theology. There is no covenant of works. There's no covenant of grace, redemption. There's none of that stuff. There is no, there really is, it's not reformed. I mean, the Protestant reform movement came as a reaction to the Catholic Church, which is, it's grossly inaccurate to say that. So I um, just wanted to clarify that. And um, also uh, going back to the issue of, you know, oh, actually, that's what I was going to say. If you go back to episode six, I think, is when we actually talked about um, the, you know, the threefold division of the law and how, it came from, you know, other Christians in the past have held to similar views. Augustine also being one of them, he had a similar, he also held to certain di distinctions in the law. And um, so, uh, and also when we responded to the porch guys, that's what I was trying to remember. When we responded to the porch guys in our in the inter in the two episodes with uh, that were also tied into the interview or the discussion that I had with Lewis Lyons, we also dealt with that, I think, there. And with when we answered uh, Chris Fails' challenge on, on, you know, on the law. And so we've dealt with this several times. You know, people, if people have been kind of listening to our shows and keeping track of what we've been talking about, um, we've corrected this. We've addressed this issue several times already. So any comment on that? No, you've been waiting uh, quite a while to get that out, uh, get that yeah. out of your chest. So let, let me let me just back up here. Um I, I believe it was uh, Paul Kaiser was uh, kind of saying that we weren't going to correct Andrew. <laughs> right. Well, he was saying that because we've we've called the porch guys out on that for making that similar claim. And um, but I assured him, I assured him that we were going to get around to it. It's just there's there's only so much time in the day for us to to get to these things. So um, we we didn't want to disappoint. And here it is. So that's your first public service announcement. Um, <clears throat> on that, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, uh, one of the one of the pastors in my church is a the progressive dispensational, which is the closest thing that I, that I personally subscribe to, and and he was um, and he was talking about how there isn't one, there isn't a threefold division of the law, um, but he had a really hard time dealing with the same verse um, that that I posed to uh, the New Covenant theology guys, which was the which was Psalm. 119 160 right so the some of the some of your word is truth and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting um he was saying that it, it you know the scripture doesn't explicitly teach on a threefold division of the law and my argument was that well it's it's done by implication just like the trinity is done by implication um and so you can't say that because it's not spe like specifically explicitly stated uh that that it's not there um, and so I, I, I thought that was interesting also because I've, I've actually ended up defending that. Um, my, my, the, the guy, the, the, the pastor is awesome. He actually invited me and another guy uh, because we use the law and evangelism uh, to the class where he was teaching on that because he thought we would disagree with him hmm. so that we could disagree with him. Um, and so uh, that, that, that's not something you see every day. The guy, I, he's, he's, he's amazing. Uh, but um, but that still was the the question that couldn't be answered. If uh, if, if God's law is everlasting, um, how do you not um, how do you not somehow divide it in regards to what still exists because it's everlasting and what is uh, what is not presently active or rather ratified by the new covenant? So yeah, good points. I mean, the 
we've dealt with this a lot of you know several times and it's it's a very common uh dispensationalists share that with new covenant theology they reject the threefold uh, division or distinction of the law and uh, you do run into several problems when you do that so and actually they do it implicitly they do it they do they don't actually realize that they do it implicitly but we're gonna we're gonna cover that in more detail in our show where we deal more more when we re revisit new covenant theology but uh, that being said there was also something else that we wanted to kind of comment on with regards to the, uh, the, the, the fairly recent discussion that uh, was held with, on Conversations from the Porch where they had a, 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 a discussion similar to the one that I had with Lewis Lyons with uh, Jason Mullet from Logical Belief Ministries and uh, Dustin Seegers, who is New Covenant. And uh, Dustin, well, uh, what's his name? J Jason is actually Reformed Baptist, but he doesn't hold to the Sabbath, so that's kind of qualified there. Um, did hey, you all get a hey, chance Carlos. to listen to that? Yeah, I yeah. did. Let me let me ask you, man. Are are, are your feelings hurt that uh, Jason <laughs> that Jason got invited onto the porch and you still haven't? Because I mean, no, not I, at all. I know. Okay, because I I know I know like we've been here for a while and uh, we had offered to have that conversation with them uh, a long time ago, especially you. So I just wanted to make sure that you weren't uh, that you didn't get hurt feelings. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. Dis I mean, I'm disappointed because uh, unfortunately, Jason was largely very ignorant of New Covenant theology. And he, he admitted as much because he said that the only book he had really read was part way. He had started reading a part of uh, uh, Charles Leiter's The Law of Christ. And, and that's not even a fully New Covenant theology perspective. So um, that's another kind of misleading thing that you can you got you get the impression from some of these NCT guys. Like I know the porch has they've been from promoting Charles Leiter's book as NCT, and it's really not. It's They do have a similar view with respect to certain aspects of the law, but um, in, in Charles Leiter, and one of the uh, brothers from, from my church actually lent me the book, so I've been going through it, and um, they don't actually completely disregard the threefold division of the law. They say that it is useful, that it can be useful. It's just that, you know, it can only go so far. So um, they, don't, they don't completely, like, throw it away like you hear a lot of NCT guys uh, who, are very, who are on the more extreme side, they tend to, you know, try to completely throw it away or disregard it and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, that was very disappointing because Jason, unfortunately, was not very well prepared and he was mainly asking questions. So he wasn't really able to give any like that that good of a, of, of uh, comments or feedback to to Dustin. And Dustin, you could tell, was way more experienced. He's way more knowledgeable uh, than he was. On, uh, with respect to NCT, and so, um, and and in that being said, go go ahead. Yeah, well, maybe it was a, maybe I don't know. Maybe Jason. Uh, I think that might be Jason's style uh, to just ask questions and uh, dialogue uh, in that way. I mean, I'm not really sure. I've, I've what I've noticed is that a lot of times then he'll address points later on his own show. Um, so. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought it was a good discussion. Uh, I, I want to say that, and um, I thought it was very civil. Uh, everybody survived. Uh, it could have been us. It could have been you, Carlos, but it wasn't. So. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think no, and he does. He's a very good debater. I've heard some of his debates with Leighton Flowers and uh, some of his other stuff. And he he defends Calvinism excellently. And when he knows his stuff, he does it very well. And that's why I was a little disappointed because he wasn't. He just, I guess he was kind of jumping into it more to learn about it rather than 
to really actually try to, you know, give some criticism or, or refute certain aspects of new covenant, you know, theology. So, um, and, and that being said, there was an issue there that came up and it's, it's, it's happened before already on the porch and we've already addressed it on our show. Uh, I think more than once where there seems to be a, a very big misunderstanding as to what the moral law actually is. And that's, that's been a big problem. And unfortunately, Dustin Seegers, uh, I guess he hasn't listened to our episode. So <laughs> he ended up kind of perpetuating the same misrepresent, you know, the same misunderstanding about the moral law being equated with the Ten Commandments. And so, um, that is not true. That is, that is, you know, the moral law includes the Ten Commandments, but it is not exclusively the Ten Commandments. And so, and, and he kept, he said some, he made a comment like all of the reform guys I've talked to, have pretty much equated or said that the Ten Commandments are the moral law. And it's like, well, that's not correct. Um, they are included, but it's not exclusively that. And all you have to do is look at the Westminster Larger Catechism. It defines the moral law in question 93. It says, what is the moral law? The answer is the moral law is a declaration of the will of God to mankind, directing and binding everyone to personal, perfect, and perpetual conformity and obedience thereunto in the frame and disposition of the whole man, soul, and body, and in performance of all those duties of holiness and righteousness which he oweth to God and man, promising life upon the fulfilling and threatening death upon the breach of it. So there you can see the theme is that it's the everla- it's an internal law, right? It's, it's perpetual. It's always binding. And so further on in question uh, 98, it says, wherein is the moral law summarily comprehended? Answer, the moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments, which were delivered by the voice of God upon, upon Mount Sinai and written by him on two, table, two tables of stone and are recorded in the 20th chapter of Exodus, the first four commandments of containing our duty to God and the other six our duty to man. So there you have it, folks. This is probably the second or third time we've addressed this on the show, but at least now we give you a more clear definition. And I think the one thing that kind of also disappointed me about uh, Jason is that he was sort of being a little bit, he was using his own definitions when I don't think he really had to. I mean, he said that he didn't really like using the term Christian Sabbath. He rather used the the Lord's Day. But actually, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with using the Christian Sabbath because in, in Hebrews 4 says that there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So, you know, uh, well, there's nothing wrong with calling it the Christian Sabbath to distinguish it from the Old Testament, uh, you know, Jewish Sabbath. So, you know, there was just things like that. He was kind of being providing his own definition. It's like, well, if you just... You really you don't need to change these much. I mean, if at all, like you don't really need to change this. It's already well established theological uh, definitions and terminology that have really withstood the test of time and are pretty consistent with the Bible, uh, with what the Bible teaches. So you would say, uh, just for clarity's sake, uh, that the, the moral law also includes other, I guess, uh, commandments in the New Testament which would be moral. Yeah, like I mean. But, it's it's obviously they can be they you, they relate to the Ten Commandments in some way because they're summarized in the Ten Commandments. So like bestiality, for example, you know that's that's part of the moral law. It's never okay to have sex with animals. You know it's 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 never okay to to commit certain forms of incest. Uh, 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 we'll 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 deal with that later. That we have a very good discussion on incest that we're going to get into when we talk about NCT in more detail, but. Yeah, that, the moral law is not exclusively the Ten Commandments. There's other things involved there that uh, inc- are included by way of not just by way of implication, but also by virtue of the fact that God prohibits certain things in both the Old and the New Testament as well. So, 
Um, yeah, you just reminded me, man. We need to take up uh, the uh, LGBTQI issue again. Um, you know, uh, dot, dot Z. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's getting so ridiculous. But uh, you know, somebody posted a uh, a funny meme. I forgot who it was, but it said uh, it was that philosopher dinosaur, and it said, "Doesn't the B in LGBT imply that there's only two genders?" I thought that was pretty interesting. So I asked a couple. Yeah, that is funny. I asked a couple of people about that, and they're like, "Oh yeah." So, uh, all right. So you got that off your chest. Glad to glad to hear it. Um, and you wanted to give uh, Paul Kaiser some props, right? That is that is right. Yeah, um, I was very glad to see that he's sort of turning over a new leaf. Well, and, wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. I think we're turning over a new leaf too, because. We uh, we corrected Andrew Rappaport, and now we're about to give Paul Kaiser some some props. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> new yeah, thi- new new things are happening at Semper Reformanda Radio. Definitely, um, yeah. I was very uh, encouraged to see that he went. I think it was in that same episode, or maybe the one before it, or somewhere around there. Um, he did say that uh, he was affirming the fact that he was actually starting to read. Uh, Baptist Covenant Theology, a Reformed Baptist authors, and he was recommending them as well uh, to his listeners. And he also said that he was affirming that there was a lot that we had in common, that that Reformed Baptists and, and uh, certain certain uh, streams of New Covenant Theology have a lot in common. And so I was very encouraged by that. I was very uh, excited. I'm very excited to see uh, that they're willing to, you know, step into the conversation uh, respectfully and, and actually do their homework, do some research, you know, actually read the arguments and so on and so forth to to have a much better dialogue, hopefully, and uh, be able to represent the other side more accurately than they have been in the past. And so because when there's so much straw manning and misrepresentation, it's very hard to see any common ground, you know, because you're just especially in the beginning where they were kind of equating us with like, you know, why are you aren't you Presbyterian, you know, making jokes about being Presbyterian and you know, just very sort of superficial remarks that did not illustrate or demonstrate a, a good understanding of what Reformed Baptist theology actually is. And well, that's that not funny. It's not a funny joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, if you, anybody who is aware of it is, is, it realizes that there are very significant differences between the two, those two areas of, uh, of covenant theology. So, um, and we have talked, we, again, we've already talked about this stuff before in our show. So, you know, you can go back and visit, you know, my discussions with Lewis Lyons and, and things like that. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was very encouraging. I, I do look forward to, to seeing what they uh, have to contribute. Okay, so we're good with the public service announcement, right? Well, I'm glad you, you asked because I want to make a quick public service annou- announcement because in case you all are not aware, June was declared... LGBT month by Barack Obama, I believe, back in 2008. And so this is why you're starting to see a lot of activity. Actually, just today, we had a, a, a LGBT parade in, in El Paso, and uh, some of the brothers went out and witnessed there. And uh, so so there, there's a lot of activity going on, even in my job. Like, I was just sort of shocked at how I was – I'm a software engineer, right? So I like to use a certain coding editor called Vim. And I was looking some of the videos by the creator of them to, to you know, because I'm going to give a presentation on it next week. And so 
I, I was going onto his channel and I thought I had the wrong channel because I was seeing a bunch of like LGBT parade uh, videos posted on there with like nude people on the, you don't even have to click on the video and there was like nude people everywhere, topless and, and things like that. And I was like, do I even have the wrong, the right channel? And then I realized, like, oh, wow, no, this is it's the same guy. He has like videos on the history of this coding editor. And then he has a bunch of videos that he recently uploaded uh, on his channel about, you know, LGBT parades because he works for Google. So and Google has, you know, they're very, very pro LGBT and um, so much so that they already I mean, they just hit the ground running by the beginning of March and they're already participating in all these parades and vile, filthy parades. I mean, even just looking at the thumbnail is already defiling, but um, they also released a video and this is a very important public service announcement because they, they, they recently, Google recently released a video on uh, Google movies called a stork's journey. And this movie is for kids. It's, it's for kids. And the problem with that is that it has some very subtle and very not so subtle LGBT agenda being promoted through it and it is pretty it's pretty bad um like the whole point of this movie and i haven't seen all of it i started watching it and we were like this is there's something really wrong with this and so they they like the whole month the whole month of june it's it's going to be free like you can download it or watch it for free uh and add it to your library for the whole month of june so that already tells you one thing like th this is clearly a, a tied to the agenda that they're pushing as the lgbt agenda uh the other thing is that this the whole point of the movie is that this bird was adopted by it's a sparrow that was adopted by uh, storks a stork family and you know the problem is that the birds have very different uh, ways of life you know like they were saying that the the storks have they fly at much higher altitudes because they have to travel much further and the sparrows can't do that the sparrows don't migrate and so the basically the whole movie is this like this bird insisting that he's a stork and defying his own nature so that's Romans one right there, folks. I mean, and, and Google here, Google is promoting this trash um, very subtly to kids. And and then later on, he, he basically starts running into all of these birds that are kind of like outcasts. You know, that they're, they're like the, the outsiders and outcasts. And, you know, kind of pushing that that uh, that motif and how, you know, the LGBT agenda is, is outcasted and all this stuff, even though they have incredible amounts of power and influence, especially through. The, you know the most wealthiest companies like Google and Facebook and all that stuff so this one bird they meet a, they meet this one bird who's trapped in a cage and he's basically like a trans uh, uh, what do you call it a, a, a he's sort of like a drag queen bird he's he's a male bird but then it looks like he has makeup on and he's he's he sings the bird sings and his favorite song is I'm coming out and the way Google did this is like they're they're playing the song I'm coming out because he wants to get out of his cage. But there you see again some very subtle, very subtle, very evil just just parallels there with the LGBT agenda and coming out about your your you know sexuality or whatever. And here's the worst here's the worst part of it all. The worst part of it is that this movie has the Dove Foundation stamp on it on the front cover of the of the movie stamped as family approved by the Dove Foundation so I thought that was supposed to be a Christian you know a ministry that was that that reviews movies and tells you that you know whether it's okay or not if this is family friendly so I was pretty disturbed by all this and so I wanted to 
you know, just bring that out to our listeners. This LGBT agenda is getting very, very bad. They're reaching out to kids. They're trying to get into their minds. And so just be careful, you know, to be very careful. And you can watch it for yourself. It's free. You can go to Google Movies and watch it for yourself and see. There it is. I mean, so, yeah, that was that was all the PSAs that I had. Uh, th- that's really good. I'm really glad that you uh, that you brought all that stuff to light, Carlos. Uh, I, I did see the the rainbow flag uh, posted on uh, basically as the uh, emoji icon for Google. And one of the things that you that you were talking about right now was the fact that this is very subtle. And I kind of wanted to comment on that because this issue came up with the uh well, what was it the uh the beauty and the beast movie because here we are we're making a big deal about this right and uh joseph did that episode with me we're making a big deal about this and then people go to the to to see the movie and they're kind of like what's the big deal you know like oh it's not overt i mean it's just it's it's this one little scene where they dance or you know it's not really that you know it's not a big deal like you guys are making it out to be. Well, so I'm going to read from the King James Bible, Genesis 3, uh, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said, uh, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And uh, I've, I've talked about this before. God did not say that you shall not eat of every tree. This is the first time that we see that Satan is actually twisting God's word. But I, I actually, I, I really like the King James Bible uh, when it comes to this verse because it says that the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field. And right. we see that these things are brought in with stealth and they're brought in in a very subtle way. And that's exactly what's going on. And so if you're a Christian parent, you'd better think that these things are a big deal um, because they are laying the groundwork for your child to be indoctrinated into what we would rightly call an antichrist agenda. So that's uh, that's my piece with that. Uh, yes, it is subtle. But yes, we need to make a big deal about it. And the fact that it's subtle, uh, the fact that, I mean, it's uh you know the english standard version says now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field well this is they're being very crafty in the way that they're presenting this to your child they're being very crafty in the way that they are that they are going about this and it's uh it's very subtle but it's very i would say very damaging it's very wicked and so that's that's my piece about that so all right, with that being said, uh, we got the public service announcements out of the way. Let me go ahead and play a little promo uh, clip from Tim Hurd, just highlighting the other podcasts. I want to recommend them. Uh, check them out. You always got to hear both sides of the story. Uh, so check out to see what Andrew Rapport has uh, going on. And, uh, and, and we mentioned Conversations from the Porch. We mentioned uh, Logical Belief Ministry. So uh, those are only three of the ones that, we mentioned, I believe there's 10 on the podcast, so go ahead and check them out. And then also I uh, want to give a little word from our sponsor, Track Planet, and check out what they've got. We'll be back in a minute. 
This podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to the School of Biblical Harmonetics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening and welcome to the Conversations from the port. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. <laughs> the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Ten podcasts, one network. Check them out. BibleThumpingWingnut.com. Looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach? Look no further. At TrackPlanet.com, we have solid biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out. They are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available. With over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new track just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. Come check us out at TrackedPlanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's TRACTPlanet.com, coupon code BTWN. All right, so we are back, and uh, so we got the public service announcements out of the way. Uh, Carlos had been wanting to get that off his chest for a while. It's come up multiple times in conversations with him on the phone. So, Carlos, where are we going next? You wanted to read some emails, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of some emails that have been piling up, too, some really good emails from our listeners. Okay, and let me let me uh, before you do that, let me just uh, go ahead and plug our email. If you guys would like to email us, you can reach us at semper.reformanda.radio at gmail.com. We always appreciate the emails. Carlos does a really good job of getting back to people if I can't, and uh, sometimes we read them on the air. And uh, but we we definitely appreciate feedback. So, all right, Carlos. Yeah, you know, and we never th- that was another that was another thing that we had uh, carried early on in our show with the whole LGBT agenda. And we, we wanted to do a concluding episode, but really it's not something that you really conclude, you know, because there's just, it, this stuff is going to keep it recurring and it's going to keep getting more and more uh, blatant and stuff. So, I mean, and I, I want to just kind of summarize a little bit and give some encouragement to people who either are in the LGBT movement or know somebody who is. And so just to sum it up, we, we've, we've kind of went over this already a little bit, but the, the the religion of of the LGBT agenda, which is Antichrist, is essentially existential humanism, because they make you believe that you can fabricate your own reality according to what you see fit. It doesn't matter what gender you were born with. It doesn't matter what sexual uh, 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 organs you have, and and therefore what desires you should have that should accord with that with nature. Um, it doesn't matter. You can choose whatever you want, and that's what that's why I pointed out that movie was so wicked because a sparrow is not a stork no matter how hard he wants to be it's just not going to happen a sparrow will die if he tries to do what a stork does and and vice versa 
It does not work because it goes against nature. And that's exactly what Romans 1 teaches us, that when you are in this LGBT movement agenda and you think that gender is fluid or that your 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 identity can be defined by whatever you think or feel you are, you are deceiving yourself. And that means that you will incur God's wrath and judgment upon yourself if you do not repent. Now, there is grace and there is repentance and there is forgiveness because by means of the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. And so a word of encouragement to you all, because first uh, Corinthians in in first Corinthians six, nine, it says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will will inherit the kingdom of God. Here is what you need to listen to. Verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. That is our word of encouragement to you who are either in the LGBT or if you know somebody. There is hope for you, but it is only found in Christ and Christ alone. So um, that's that's a wrap for that for now. Well, and, yeah, uh, real, real quick. Um, and also, we, we want to point out that that's not just we're, we're not just pointing the finger at you, the, the people who are LGBTQ uh, people, uh, as as were some of you is applied to us because there are uh, there are sins listed in that that uh, that I we're all in that list. Yeah, yeah that I would have struggled with that, I, you know, that, that I was that I've been saved from uh, Joseph and Carlos as well. So um, it's encouraging for us because, uh, I mean, Paul's basically, uh, th this can be applied to a person who is a Christian, and it's, it can be offered as hope for, hey, if you, have, if you have family members, just remember what God has done for you. And, uh, and, and so there's, there's definitely hope in Christ. So, yeah, hey, uh, that, that was good stuff, man. Um, so were you going to read an email or what? Yeah, let me let me go on to the emails now. Yeah, God is powerful. God regenerates and he will change and conform your desires to his will. If, of course, you have to. It's repentance and faith. It's Christ alone. So um, don't don't uh, don't lose hope. Hope is in Christ alone. Um, yeah. So now the emails. We have a few emails that I wanted to point out. We have one from Dan Ames, a recent one from Dan Ames. Uh, he actually, I think he's emailed us before. And he, I think, Tim, you mentioned something about uh, starting the classical conversations, homeschooling. And he was very encouraged to hear that. And unfortunately, my email app is not working, so I can't pull it up. But he said that he heard on a recent episode that... Um, you know, you were talking about it. And so that's another thing that we're going to have to get into eventually. The homeschooling thing, uh, give our two cents on it. Give, uh, we're also planning to provide some resources on the, on our blog so that, you know, people can have some, some stuff that they can work with. Um, we, it, it, homeschooling is very important. It's an extremely important thing that, that because it is the parents' responsibility to educate their children. So he was encouraged, you know, he was encouraged to hear us mention it. And also we have to point out that like, not not all these you know some curriculums are better than others and i have found a lot of good stuff in classical conversations but unfortunately you have to be careful with even that one because a lot of times what these curriculums uh try to do is they try to cater to as many different types of christian denominations and faiths as possible so 
they they're not oftentimes they're not explicitly reformed and they don't really give you the fully uh, reformed fleshed out worldview embedded into every subject that you cover and so that's a problem and another problem is that they unfortunately also have like some kind of contract with uh Doug Wilson who is a false teacher he's a heretic he he I believe he, he he's you know he's been tied into the the Auburn Avenue theology and and you know believing that you have to be baptized to be saved and things like that so you you know just be careful be discerning uh we're, we're definitely going to touch more on that later as well but um, what's it called? No, so so I homeschool, or my wife homeschools my kids. Uh, she was talking to one of the uh, ladies at our church who does classical conversations, and actually is is basically like leading that um, for for a few people in the area. So so maybe off air or even on air at some point talking about that, I'd be I'd be curious to have that conversation. At least nothing else. To ask questions because it sounds like you've done a little bit more research in it. But I think the the thing that's important to remember is that regardless of what curriculum is set forth by a, a home, homeschooling program, um, uh, we don't, we, we, it's still our responsibility to teach. So for example, um, the one that my daughter has been doing over the past couple of years, which we're, we're switching from this year, um, where it tries to teach an idea in regards to the Bible courses that are in it. Um, it's, uh, it, there, there have been more than one occasion where I said, well, that's wrong. The answer you gave was right because it's what I taught you, and this is why that's wrong. Um, and so I think I don't think it matters at all what 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 program you do. I don't think there's going to be the perfect program that aligns with your theology personally. Um, uh, then obviously there's not going to be a perfect uh, program, but um, advocate our responsibility to teach and raise our kids to a school system. Uh, we don't do that with um, a homeschooling program either. Um, so I think that was a really good point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, my, my church actually does classical conversations. So we have, you know, they meet once a week at, at, at our church and it, it's, it looks very good from what I've seen. It, it ten, by and large, they really, it's the, it's pretty, it's probably the best that I've seen, uh, out of the ones that I've, uh, you know, kind of looked at. So, uh, but even then, you know, of course there's, ca- there's caveats. You have to be careful. And actually another one, that we were planning to tie into with the classical conversations was actually called the the Puritan homeschool curriculum, which I believe you can also get for free online. It's actually free. So, you know, there's good, and that one is explicitly reformed. It's based on the Westminster standards. So, you know, there's, there's always some stuff that you can fill in and and find, you know, online thanks to the internet. Uh, But Tim, were you going to jump in here? Yeah, uh, I didn't expect that you were going to call Doug Wilson a heretic or a false teacher. So, uh, there's a, uh, so I wanted to just recommend a book by, uh, the Trinity Foundation. And I was trying to look it up because Sean Garrity, uh, who was a co-author to a book. Do you know what the book, it's, uh, yeah, called? it's called Not Reformed at All. Yeah, not reformed at all, and he co-authored it with uh, the late John Robbins, who was the founder of the Trinity Foundation. I think does a pretty good job in that book explaining how Doug Wilson uh, compromises the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Uh, it's been some while since I've read the book, but hey, I mean, we're we'd love to get Sean Garrity on the show to talk about Clarkianism. And uh, we think a lot of Sean Garrity. Uh, we've had uh, we've had uh, some some really good interactions with him. So 
that that being said, uh, I want to recommend that book to people if if they are curious and they want to find out a little bit more about why we would say that. Um, because it, I mean, Doug Wilson gets a a pass by most Christians, and uh, I think even Apologia Radio was uh, promoting. Uh, they they liked him they they've from what i gathered um so he's really really under the radar with a lot of people and uh that's really all i had to add to that yeah the, the trinity foundation has published articles in that book and i think another book uh, really exposing some of the errors that that doug wilson is promoting heresies in fact and um also brian shortly he's also written stuff against him he's act, he's got some sermons against him too you know pointing out his his uh his heresy so it's this it's definitely out there uh for people to look at <clears throat> but so i guess that was another public service announcement i mean they they might just keep popping up throughout the show um so just uh trying to get people caught up here and you know just be wary of the times you know the times are evil the days are evil i i hate to break it to these post millennialists you know i don't understand i don't understand post millennialism the days are evil and they're getting worse so beware Another public service announcement. So, Carlos, uh, I'm going to create a bridge here. So you're not a theonomist? No. Uh, Oh, (laughs) Uh -oh. uh-oh. Well, 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 I'm I'm glad Uh, you brought that up. I don't know, Um, because apparently we're the new theonomists on the block. Yeah, somebody's somebody's been playing the part (laughs) of the snake and, you know, saying just – I don't know what it is, man, but, uh, you know, before before we jump right into that, I want to I want to springboard from this because, um, you know, we're talking about apologetics and, you know, some some people I, I could understand how some people maybe get lost in our discussions, because when we started the episode, the, the, the podcast, we kind of just sort of we hit the ground running and we, we didn't really get a chance to explain ourselves. And, and now we're we're starting to do that a lot more. And so this this episode will also be some of that as well, definitional stuff that we're talking about. And uh, I wanted to read a very uh, good email that I got from, actually, it's the same person, it's Dan Ames, so how fitting. Uh, the guy who was uh, <clears throat> commending us, you know, for the classical conversation stuff, he, he earlier, he sent another email saying, um, hello, would you be so kind as to recommend the best available books written on Clarkian apologetics? I am considering the purchase of Religion, Reason, and Revelation, but uh, wanted to get your recommendation first. Sincerely, Dan. So, and Dan, thank you very much for your emails. We are uh, very encouraged by that. And um, I responded to Dan's email, and I'm just going to go ahead and read it because this is going to set up sort of a, a springboard as to our, our discussion now. Um, I said, hi, Dan, great question. There is a sense in which all of Clark's work is apologetic, so you can't really go wrong with any of his publications. Religion, Reason, and Revelation is definitely a great place to start. It's one of my favorite books in which Clark also tackles the problem of evil brilliantly. I would actually recommend Volume 4, though, which includes Religion, Reason, and Revelation and is more complete or more comprehensive. Uh, this volume also includes a very important key article, God and Logic by Clark, that you should read first to grasp his approach. Uh, the best foundational primer on scripturalist apologetics is probably God's Hammer, which is a collection of essays that focuses on how we should view, use, defend, and argue from the Bible. You can't go wrong with this one. This is the first book I read by Clark. I've reread it like five times and always learned something new, even though that happens every time I reread anything from Clark. Another good place to start is a Christian view of men and things. Some say this is Clark's magnum opus, 
where he presents a panoramic worldview of Christianity by applying it to every major branch of philosophy. Commenting on this, uh, this is a quote, commenting on the scripturalist apologetic methodology of Gordon Clark, Gilbert Weaver wrote, an extended example of this type of apologetics is found in Clark's volume, A Christian View of Men and Things. In, in it, he takes up the topics of history, politics, ethics, science, religion, and epistemology. And in each one shows that the major opposing non-Christian systems fail to establish answers to the basic problems of the area of study that they tend to skepticism or, or self-contradiction and that the Christian worldview based on divine revelation provides plausible solutions in each case. The net result is that the rivals of Christianity are undercut in each area of thought and are thus in no solid position from which to launch an attack upon the Christian faith. That was an article from uh, the Trinity Foundation. Uh, and so I continue. So it kind of depends on where you want to start for a good foundational primer and bibliology, which is a study of the Bible, basically uh, God's hammer for a comp uh, go with God's hammer for a comprehensive philosophical and theological understanding of apologetics, including the problem of evil. Uh, volume four, uh, go with volume four, which is uh, his uh, his I think it's called Christian philosophy from the Trinity Foundation. Uh, for a big picture, broad sweeping and apagogic or ad hominem presentation, uh, Christian view of men and things is a good is a good one. So the best source for all things Clarkian is the Trinity Foundation. They have all of Clark's uh, most, if not all of Clark's published works and more. You can also look at these recommended resources by topic to get your feet wet. We, we're going to share these links as well on the uh, show notes. So. Uh, we'll put them up there. Their MP3 le uh, lectures on apologetics and logic are outstanding, too. They're worth listening to several times, which I have. I've listened to, I think, all of those lectures from the Trinity Foundation at least twice, and they are outstanding. They are very, very good lectures, even on economics, on theology, everything. So it's very good stuff. Um, hope this helps. Let us know if you got if you have any other questions when you dig in. Semper Reformanda Carlos. So... The, the, this is it, folks. This is what we've been, you know, uh, encouraging people to look at. And actually, this reminds me of, of what we forgot to mention, too, because in that episode with with uh, that with Dustin Seegers and uh, Jason Mullet on the conversation from the porch, they talked a little bit apologetics. And so in it, I think uh, the porch has recommended a book by I, I can't remember the author. I think it's Clifford Gertz uh, called Biblical Apologetics and. They kind of recommend, I, I guess they all kind of recommended a sort of soft presuppositional, you know, Vantillian approach of, of doing apologetics. Like, just use the Bible, you know, just just use the Bible, you know, uh, that's all you really need. And, and kind of like, well, that's the thing, though, because the Bible itself has a method. And this is why we are encouraging people to study Gordon Clark, because it is our responsibility to do apologetics according to God's word. And the, if the Bible has something to say on it, then we need to follow it. And and does it? Absolutely. Absolutely it does. You know, just some, some verses right off the bat is in, in Proverbs. What's that verse in Proverbs? Is it Proverbs 23 um, that says, you know, how to answer the fool and how to not answer the fool? It's Proverbs 26, uh, verse 4 through, because I actually wrote an article on this. Right. Proverbs yeah, here 26. It is. Here it is, yeah. Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. It says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. This is this is scripturalist presuppositional apologetics, folks. It's not enough, 
you know, it's it's important for us to do detailed, in-depth studies of apologetics. And I know it's you know it can be difficult to because there, there's all these different methods and all these all these different ways of going about it. But nevertheless, we w- see we can give you a head start. We would encourage you to to study Gordon Clark. Gordon, Gordon Clark has by far what we've seen the most consistent approach to doing apologetics biblically. And it's not enough to, you know, it's a sort of, it's kind of a cop-out, to be honest, when people say like, oh, well, just use the Bible, you know, just use the, well, okay, well, what does the Bible say? What does it teach? What it has, what does it have to say on it? Because if it has something to say on it, it is systematic. It's going to be a method, and you should use that method consistently. And that method, part of that method is illustrated in these verses. You're not supposed to answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him, uh, in his foolishness, because in the sense that you're not supposed to adopt his own principles and, and, and try to argue from an evidentialist approach. That's what evidentialists do. They try to argue from their perspective uh, uh, to try to prove and, and kind of prove and go back to God. But that doesn't work because you have to always presuppose. You, you can't not presuppose God. You have to start somewhere. And for the Christian, the starting point is there's nothing else but the Bible and the Bible alone. Yeah, let me so, let me jump in here. So, uh, yeah. what, what we're advocating is that uh, you, you can't. So, for for one to just say, "Well, just use the Bible," um, I'm getting the impression that it's it's kind of like, "Well, you don't really have to study Islam, or you really don't have to study uh, Mormonism, or you really don't have to study the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Black Hebrews lights. Like, just use the Bible." That's the impression that I'm getting. I don't know if that was uh, – I'm not attributing that as the actual uh, position that was stated. Um, but the problem with that is that in order to answer the full according to his folly, you have to actually know his position. And you have yeah. to be able to deduce from his position either contradictory propositions or propositions that they would – view as uh, as uh, that they would themselves reject and so I, I actually I wrote an article that encouraged people to read it it's called the scripturalist ad hominem reply um, and what I advocate is uh, is what Clark identifies as an ad hominem response it's Latin meaning to the man a form of argument that accepts a proposition espoused by another for the purpose of deducing from it contradictory propositions and uh, propositions or propositions that would be rejected by the other person. And then he emphatically states uh, ad hominem should be distinguished from uh, the informal fallacy of abusive ad hominem. And so basically what I point out is that ad hominem is is basically – the abuse of ad hominem is a fallacy of irrelevancy. So you can attack another person's character and say, well, this person's wrong because, you know, they're just dumb or uh, this person's wrong because they're immoral and you can't believe anything that they say where that's a fallacy because the person uh, being immoral has nothing to do with whether or not their argument is actually sound. And in the, in the ad hominem uh, reply, that that Clark is advocating, instead of uh, attacking the person's character or attacking some other irrelevant feature, what we're actually doing is we're attacking the person's presuppositions. And uh, so I'll I'll read uh, the passage again. It says, "Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes." So answer not a fool according to his folly. That is, you do not accept his false 
presuppositions as your own, lest you be like him. And we see this happen all the time. One of the areas that this happens the most in is with regards to science. So the the unbeliever has this view of science that they can prove things through using the scientific method, that they can prove things uh, just using science in general. And so what we see is that a lot of Christians will then try to uh, use science to prove the Bible. Well, what have you just done? You've accepted uh, his folly as your own, and you're going to be just like him because you face the exact same problems. One being that the scientific method is uh, commits the fallacy of asserting the consequent, which is if P, then Q, Q, therefore P. Another one is that the scientific method uh, commits the fallacy of induction. And I want to point out that not all inductive reasoning is fallacious, but when you try to assert a general principle or a universal claim uh, from a limited set of particular instances, well, then that's a fallacy. And the problem with science is that science can never actually uh, complete the induction. I mean, you can do uh, you can do um, scientific experiments on geese. Well, you've not you've not uh, seen all the geese in the past. Your experience is very limited in the present, and you've not seen any uh, geese in the future. And so we've played we've played this before. But uh, let's go into the second part of this. Answer a fool according to his folly. That is, uh, you do accept his false presuppositions for the sake of argument, and this is what Clark is advocating, so that you may deduce from them contradictory propositions or reduce them to absurdity, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And in order to do that, you actually have to dig into what it is that they are presupposing. And in this article, I actually give uh, three examples. I, I talk about um, empiricism. I talk about uh, naturalism, and I talk about uh, materialism. I, I believe those are the three. And I show how they are either self-contradictory or they reduce to absurdity. And I'm, I'm going to write some more articles on this because this applies in pretty much every area of apologetics. If, if you want to use this approach, and, and you should use this approach with with Jehovah's Witnesses. So I'm going to accept that, the, for the sake of argument, let's accept that your Bible, the New World Translation, is accurate and is true. I'm going to deduce from that contradictory propositions to show that it's absurd. And uh, and by the way, we're I'm, I'm going to hopefully put out an article about this in the future, um, and we are going to take up the, the issue of uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, in the future as well. But that is uh, that's a pretty brief summation of what the ad hominem replies. And here's the other thing. So you can actually use the ad hominem reply going back to the LGBTQ agenda. You can use the ad hominem reply for the sake of argument. Let's say that how they say uh, that, that uh, homosexuals are, are born that way. And because they're born that way, it's therefore morally acceptable for them to act upon those behaviors. Let's just let's accept that as true for the sake of argument. Well, if that's true, then why can't pedophiles, I mean, they're born that way, right? I'm accepting your your propositions as true for the sake of argument. And what's going to happen is they're going to take a step back and say, well, no, no, I mean, pedophiles are different uh, because they are, you know, uh, and then they're going to try to come up with some arbitrary uh uh, arbitrary distinction between uh, the the pedophile and the, the homosexual, and most most of the time it's well, there's there the homosexual uh, couple, they're two consenting adults. The pedophile, they're not. 
But then you can just go right back to, a, well, okay, so why is harming children morally wrong in your worldview? In, in your worldview. And I'm going to once again stand in your worldview, and I'm going to ask you to tell me exactly why hurting people is morally wrong. And then you can get into a, a great moral argument. I also have a, an article uh, about morality. There's more that I need to address on that. The article is long enough, so I put it out. But um, anybody have any uh, any thoughts on any of that? Well, to to be fair uh, to uh, you know the the porch guys, I think it was Pastor Paul Kaiser that said. He, he they've ad, advocated you know sort of like kind of like a fundamentalist biblicist approach to apologetics but he did say he did say that it will necessarily be presuppositional and our point is that you should study this you should take this you need to take this the time to study this in more depth because it will greatly benefit you and the bible requires it these verses that we just read to you requires it you, in order to answer a fool according to his folly, you need to be sufficiently equipped with with other world views in general, especially the ones that you that you encounter that you've already encountered, in order to be able to refute them effectively. And the the great thing about scripturalism, though, about the the apologetics and the, and the books that Clark wrote, is that you're able to really do you you kind of able to apply a very big you you get a very big tool set when you're able to isolate the, the, the assumptions behind a worldview. When you can isolate assumptions and identify them properly, you can then begin to argue uh, against their worldview by showing them that they either contradict themselves, they contradict the Bible, they contradict, or, or they're absurd. They're just absurd notions that they, would, they themselves would not even hold, hold to. That is what an apagogic argument is. It's an ad hominem argument like Tim explained. So. We encourage you all to to check out uh, Tim's article, uh, the the scripturalist at hominem reply. Um, we've got a couple of other articles on on the Bible thumping wingman as well. We also wrote one on uh, knowledge, faith, and the marks of a true Clarkian, and that was kind of a that was a bit of a controversy that that arose uh, between different schools of thought, uh, Clarkian you know camps, and so. Um, it, we talk about epistemology as well. You know, in order to have knowledge, you have to have justified true belief. The way you justify your true belief is through the Bible. If you cannot justify it with the Bible, you do not have justified true belief. Okay, that's a very important notion as well. And so, we've you know we've begun to write about some of these things. You know, uh, Tim, you also mentioned the morality the morality piece that you wrote. A uh, lot of good stuff there. And I would also encourage you if you've never read Clark before, or if you're kind of you know, just getting started, getting familiar with the different views, I would encourage you to read Clark's article called God and Logic. That is a very good place to start, I think, because it really shows you his 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 method, his approach, and he really analyzes these these sort of these um how logic relates to God, the Bible and man, and kind of showing you the necessity of of holding to the Bible and why the Bible itself encompasses everything including logic there's no need to presuppose logic before it and so because 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 christ is the logos christ is the logic or the wisdom or the reason of god so it's brilliant stuff you you so we encourage you to to take a look at that article we'll post it on the show notes as well and um Hey everybody, this is Tim and I am changing the channel on this episode. 
Uh, if you heard the original episode released on Wednesday night, when really it was early Tuesday morning, uh, we had crit- uh, critiqued and called out a brother by the name of Tyler Vela, who is the host of the Freed Thinker podcast. And uh, shortly after that, Tyler had contacted me, asked me to take it down, and uh, and we began to reconcile. And I'm very grateful to report that we have been fully and completely reconciled. And I'm very grateful for that because I'm so glad that we were able to, to deal with this quickly and come to terms quickly. And uh, I also need to let everybody know that um, I, you know, I wasn't completely innocent in this. I had unfortunately given Tyler a wrong impression about where we were at with each other. And, uh, and I think that we were possibly we were talking past each other. He was on one page and I was, I was on a completely different page. So, you know, I, I accept responsibility for that and I apologize to him for that. And I want Tyler to know that we appreciate him, that we value him, that we pray for his ministry. And, um, and, you know, I think that he's got some, some good stuff out there, guys. Um, so look, God is good. He's been good in the midst of, of this. And, you know, the other person that I want to thank is, is my wife, my wife, Amy. She was very encouraging to me to, you know, give me advice, give me, uh, give me counsel. And, um, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful for her as well. And with that, we, we just, we want to close out this episode. Um, so, um, I believe that all parties that were involved in this conflict were uh, are, are in the process of being reconciled. Uh, we, I am, I'm reconciled with with Tyler, and uh, so uh, I hope to check you guys next time. And in the meantime, God bless.